Are you a teacher or student who's always wanted to learn more about CubeSats in the classroom? Then don't miss this opportunity. The inaugural SmallSat Education Conference will serve as an important East Coast gathering where educators, administrators, and students will learn about CubeSats, ThinSats, and high-altitude balloon programs. Our target audiences are faculty and students from middle school all the way through college. Presenters will include existing university teams and industry experts. Attendance is free for students and educators, and exhibitors and vendors are encouraged to showcase their products and services. To learn how to start your own program, join us on October 29th and 30th at the Center for Space Education Building at the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Center. Please visit the website for more information and to reserve a space. You can find that at smallsateducation.org. That's S-M-A-L-L-S-A-T education.org. Let's go to Space Blue Sky Learning, Episode 88, Limitless Passion and Limitless Space. Today, we meet with two very inspirational space enthusiasts. Dr. Sonny White has accumulated over 25 years of experience in the aerospace industry, including his time with Boeing, Lockheed Martin, NASA, and now with the Limitless Space Institute. He currently serves as Director of Advanced Research and Development at LSI. Among his numerous awards are the NASA Medal for Excellence and Achievement for his role in building and delivering the Thermal Protection System robotic inspection tools to support the STS-114 mission. Additionally, he was awarded the NASA Exceptional Engineering Achievement Medal for his role in exploring and incorporating advanced power and propulsion concepts into human spaceflight architectures. Dr. White holds a PhD in physics from Rice University, a master's of science in mechanical engineering from Wichita State University, and a bachelor's of science in mechanical engineering from the University of South Alabama. He's joined today by Casey Hines, a professional science educator with over 18 years of experience and who is now an education specialist with the Limitless Space Institute. Prior to joining LSI, Casey spent 13 years in the classroom and five years as the education director at Space Center Houston. She's flown twice with student experiments on the zero-g plane, sent student experiments to the International Space Station, and launched over 10 high-altitude balloon launches with successful recoveries. Casey received the 2020 Alan Shepard Technology and Education Award, the AIAA Educator Achievement Award, and the Air Force Association National Teacher of the Year Award. Stay tuned to learn more about how you too as an educator can be part of the Limitless Space Initiative, and of course stay tuned after for our takeaways. Well, welcome and thanks so much for joining us today. We have Casey Hines and Sunny White. Please share for our listeners a little bit about how you got to be involved in space. And let's start with Casey first. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, well, I actually have a very non-traditional route. Uh, I actually did not like space uh, growing up. I despised teaching it the first couple of years because the kids had so many questions and I did not have the answers or the experience to uh, be able to share what they wanted. And so I actually got accepted to Honeywell Space Camp for Educators back in 2010. And when I got there, they hand you the blue flight suit. And I'm just thinking, what a bunch of nerds. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is just a free week vacation, you know, in Huntsville. And then 
you know, put on the suit, we do our first mission. And then I was hooked from there. I was like, this is the coolest thing. Uh, you know, don't give me a glass of Kool-Aid, give me the fire hose. I want to be a part of this. And so really it's only been 12 years I've been on this rocket, so mm. to speak. Um, and it has been going very fast and, but it's really, really awesome. So I teach middle school science and I taught that previously in Arizona for 11 years. And then I was an education director at Space Center Houston for five years, but it's actually been a lot of fun to be back in the classroom and nerding out and inspiring these kiddos. <laughs> Excellent. How about you, Sonny? That's a, by the way, that's a great story. I always like hearing that. That's such a cool origin story. I didn't like it, but man, I fell in love I know. with it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I am. Um, a little bit of my background, uh, you know, my dad was in the military, so he kind of moved all over the U.S., but I spent a lot of time uh, up in the Washington, D.C. area, and so I got a chance to go to the National Air and Space Smithsonian a number of times, and I, I, think, I think from an early age, I was always kind of interested in, in, you know, things that, uh, things that have wheels and things that have propellers, I suppose, and uh, going to the Air and Space Smithsonian uh, kind of helped me really develop that interest further. And, and, it, and it wasn't just about the thing, right? Um, walking around the National Air and Space Smithsonian was also about the people, their stories connected with all these things. And, and I think in some ways that was that really resonated with me. And then there was a movie that came out in the 80s called The Right Stuff. And uh, I, I think that was one of those things that really just connected with me on a base level. It was such a neat thing to see people uh, trying to, you know, make a difference and push back the darkness, if you will. And, and uh, so I think that uh, that kind of helped really set the uh, uh, set the direction for me. Um, and so got a master's in mechanical engineering and eventually got a Ph.D. in physics. Um, uh, I started working in aerospace in 96 at Boeing for about four years up in Wichita, Kansas on commercial aircraft. Uh, but I always wanted to be in space. And so I managed to get down to Johnson Space Center. Uh, in 2000. Uh, and then I worked at uh, JSC for right at 20 years. Uh, first half of my career, uh, 10 years working flight robotics. So I sat on console uh, supporting the shuttle arm and the station arm. I was a subsystem manager for both. And then, uh, but again, my, my passion was always advanced power and propulsion. Um, I was considerably interested in, in how, do you, how do you go through space, right? That's the one thing we really didn't seem, seem to have a good answer on. And so um, you know, as everything worked out, I uh, got an opportunity to do some uh, very important things with the agency in that category, and I got to support some of the human exploration architecture work and uh, serve on the nuclear systems working group and uh, work on the technology roadmaps. And so that was all very productive. Um, but I got an opportunity in, in 2019 to uh, leave NASA and join uh, Limitless Space Institute. Uh, it's a nonprofit institute. Um, our mission is to, this is a little long, inspire and educate the next generation to travel beyond our solar system and to support the research and development of enabling technologies. So the, the three pillars of LSI are inspire, uh, educate, and research. And so it's uh, maybe another way to say it is inspire and educate by doing. And I think that resonates with you, having chatted with you just a little bit about uh, you know, your background with CubeSats and, and kiddos. Uh, it's an amazing way to try and help people connect with, with things. So um, been, been at LSI since uh, December 2019, um, having a lot of fun doing research in the lab here. We have a lab just right on the other side of this monitor, and we fund research all over the globe, and then we're standing up a, a, an educator program, and, and Casey is an amazing human being, an amazing teacher, and we're so glad to have her on the team. 
Uh, and she's uh, really helping define what is that uh, education from like you know kindergarten all the way through through high school yeah. does it look like. Uh, and so she's uh, she's got both oars in the, in the in the water and she's rowing away and making a lot of uh, a lot of progress. So are you, are you uh, developed? Let's see. My my favorite color is yellow and my favorite number is pi. So there you go. Got it. Got it. Are you developing curriculum then that Casey is able to share out with some of the other educators? And is it for as early as, say, elementary school? Because I know that you were working with middle school, but is that where it's starting? Right. So, and that's where I should have segued into that earlier. I've shifted gears from working with 120 kids all day to get into go faster mode with interstellar exploration. Um, so I came on in May officially. And so we have the goal of designing K-12 education lessons. Um, and that's where we're really focused on the teachers right now. We want to get these limitless educators. We have applications open right now. We're looking for rock star teachers um, that are innovative, forward thinking, and so they can be a part of this incredible crew and this incredible mission um, with what Limitless Space Institute, their goals are uh, to go faster, to go beyond. And, you know, that's really exciting in that it's cool that we're going back to the moon. Everyone's jazzed about Artemis. You know, there's all the amazing things happening on station and we're looking towards Mars. But really what's exciting about Limitless is that we're always, they're looking beyond. And it's like, how are we going to get there? It's the, the, they are the hard questions of, we've got to get there within a human lifetime. We have to be able to go fast. We need new power and propulsion. We need new engineering. We need to think outside the box for physics. And so it's, as an educator, I'm just thinking we need the next, the next workforce. We need the future workforce. And to do that, we've got to hone in on the teachers. We've got to really focus in on educators that can think this forward thinking and also get excited about it and be innovative and get them to understand sometimes some concepts that might be a little intimidating or scary <laughs> in some cases, but chunk them down and break them down into something accessible to where they feel comfortable teaching kids, even at first grade, second, second grade, you know, let's talk about what it means to get to Saturn within a certain uh, time frame. And let's talk about energy transfer and things like that. So it's really, we want, I, I mean, I, my vision is the whole gamut, kindergarten through high school. And we're looking for those educators right now. Um, applications close at the end of the month. Um, but we also have lab boosters. So we're able to fund classroom grants with, with teachers that are wanting to do something innovative, but they don't have the funds to be able to do that. And so those applications are open year round. And we've got the review process. And then if they get accepted, then they can do these amazing things in their classroom. And we're going to be there with them, watching every step of the way. And hopefully we can see what they do in years to come. So really hone in on the educators to say, you know, we believe in you. You're appreciated. You're awesome. You're rock stars. And we can help you um, integrate this into your classroom and then inspire those kids. And when their teachers are inspired, they're going to want to drink, drink in the Kool-Aid too. They want to be a part of the mission and then get them on that track to an academic career and into the workforce to be a part of the LSI mission to go faster and to go beyond. So it's really exciting. I would like to unpack uh, several things that you both said. The first is, uh, Casey, we, we understand 
exactly what you're saying because just like you, we have this side effort. You know, we're educators during most of the day, but we have this almost a full-time gig on the side that mm -hmm. is thrilling. Uh, Doc, the funny thing you said, my favorite color is 475 nanometers. So I always, <laughs> I, I always, uh, you know, blow up the teacher favorite thing list when they say what's your favorite color. Um, but I will tell you this, we have worked with a lot of students on different types of settlement design competitions and long distance uh, space uh, efforts. And what I think about is you guys, we have to figure out a way to go fast without a lot of mass, right? Without losing mass, because once it's gone, you can't get it back. And I always like to tell the kids, you can't get something for nothing. And we talk about recycling, for instance, we're, we're interested in a bacteria that can digest plastic, but mm. could you guys speak to the fact that you need to go very fast, but not lose a lot of mass? Or is that not really one of the big factors that uh, are concern you? Well, I'll, uh, you know, so, yeah, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head when you talk about sending human beings past Mars and the solar system that really starts to, to challenge the, the technologies that you can bring to bear, right? You know, I just, uh, I gave some lectures just a, a couple weeks ago to some high school kids kind of highlighting that there is a big difference between the concept of getting to space versus getting through space. And the, the type of technologies that are optimized for the one look very different than the, than the technologies that are optimized for the other. So, you know, you can kind of think of it this way, uh, getting to space is akin to analogous to a Jeep climbing up a hill, right? A, a four wheel drive vehicle that has no intentions to go fast per se, it has very high torque, uh, the wheels roll really slow, good traction to deal with the, uh, uh, the adverse uh, gradient, uh, whereas uh, some kind of a, a Bugatti, if you will, that set the production car speed speed record of an enormous, uh, enormously fast vehicle it looks very, very different uh, from a Jeep. And so when you talk about getting, getting payloads through space, chemical propulsion can work. However, chemical propulsion can only give you so much energy. And it's just a function of the mechanisms whereby it, uh, uh, it converts its internal energy into kinetic energy. And so chemical propulsion can only do so much and you have to wait a long time as a result for payloads to get places. So uh, as a problem statement, if you wanted to get to Saturn in 200 days with human beings, uh, the amount of energy that's necessary to make something like that possible is an order of magnitude more energy than it takes to get a payload from the surface of the Earth to low Earth orbit. And so chemical propulsion cannot close that, the efficiency of it, if you will, the miles per gallon, the specific impulse is a specific term mm -hmm. we use in rocket science. So specific, specific impulse is too low. Uh, and so we need to think about things like electric propulsion. Uh, it's something where you ionize a gas and accelerate it using electric and magnetic fields. Think of a, think of a leaking neon sign, if you will. Uh, but that also has to have power, right? You have to have some kind of a power source. Uh, and if you want to talk about uh, something that provides uh, consistent power, regardless of how far it is from the sun, then nuclear reactors are kind of what you need. So nuclear electric propulsion is kind of the, the baseline of what you would need to get human beings to the outer solar system based on known physics and known engineering. There are other options from there, right. but that's just a good, a good way to kind of frame the, the discussion. And nuclear electric propulsion would technically give us the solar system. Right. You uh, remind us of two of our good friends, 
Uh, Sean and I are in the Palm Beach section of the AIAA. So yep. we are friends with uh, Russ Joyner at yep. Aerojet Rocketdyne and Kurt yep. Polson in Huntsville yep. is uh, one of our uh, leadership, you know, our regional leaders. And, yep. and as far as I know, they're two really good nuke power, you know, they, that's their wheelhouse. Do I know, you know, I, know both, have... I know both those guys. I know both those yeah, guys. Yeah, I was going to say, it's probably a small world yes. of uh, <laughs> it the is. world's brightest yes. nuclear space propulsionists. But that's, yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. Well, I want to go back to the idea of how you are working with educators, right? And it's always a different crowd, right, than from working with the students. And sometimes it's even maybe more challenging to try to get them to have an open mind, as you said, about taking on something that they're not always well-versed in. I mean, when you're getting a science degree, oftentimes it's not just specializing in space. And so therefore it seems daunting at first. How are you... How are you finding that you're able to reach out to educators, number one, to get them to kind of step outside of their comfort zone? And number two, how is your program different from, say, Space Foundation teacher liaisons or NASA educators? Right. Those are great questions. So Limitless Space Institute, our educator program, I think is a little bit different because I've done the gamut of educator programs. <laughs> I think I've done just about almost all of them. <laughs> I'm just going to cut my list is short that I want to get before I'm within my lifetime. So, and what I've experienced through that is definitely what are pros and cons and what I'd like to see and what I, what I, I definitely want to get a return on our investment um, because these teachers, I know they're just incredible teachers that are rock stars, but I also know there's, there's quiet ones too, but are also rock stars. So you know, I've been able to network a lot over the years. And so I push out on social media, of course, what Limitless is all about. And I think at first teachers, just in my kind of circle-ish of folks, they've never heard of it. And so my job right now is to get the word out about Limitless and to share all the awesomeness that exists and could potentially exist. Um, and the, the video is just incredible. If you haven't seen the Go Faster video, it just gives me goosebumps every single time I see it. And so just being able to share right now is my big um, plan, is just get the word out there. Once we bring on our first cohort of Limitless educators, we will meet at SEEK uh, in February uh, in Houston. And that's where we can get together, get to know each other, because I'm really... Have a, I really have a strong belief in the team building a relationship and leaning on each other and knowing that if they have uh, weaknesses or, or challenges in some areas, they can lean on each other. I know that I am not super strong in math and that's where I might lean on Kevin to help me as I'm developing a lesson to, you know, help me boost this up to a high school level where I can really nail a middle school level and elementary level that's my wheelhouse, but I want this, this group of teachers to be able to come together and push the boundaries. You know, I don't want to do straw rockets, love them. They're great, <laughs> but I, I want us to develop new and innovative lessons that nobody has ever seen before. And, and I want to blow. It sounds like that you're connecting the idea of what you're doing in the classroom to the real world. Right. And that's really something that we've, we've often is just lacking. Right. And so that's really the difference with right. what, what Kevin is doing with CubeSats too. It's just about and, bringing the industry inside your four walls and then taking the kids outside. Yeah. And get those career connections. Say, this is what you could be a part of. This is, I didn't have that growing up. And now I push that to my kids so hard because it's too late for me. 
I can be a part of these missions in a different way in the educator role. But if you want to do these other things, I'm going to push out and say, these are your opportunities. And so we're going to bring all these teachers back in July for a week long deep dive. We're going to do tours. We're going to have guest speakers from industry experts. Of course, we'll be at LSI and seeing all the awesomeness there. But we're going to take those experiences and develop new lessons about this science and technology that no one's ever seen before. And we're going to make it accessible. We're going to chunk it down. I want those elementary teachers to dive into this and say, this is really cool. I want to do this with my kids. And I want the high schooler saying, I want to do this. This is awesome. And then I want my kids going out to this workforce or doing this or that, getting an internship. So it's really, and then we're going to build on that. And we're going to, because I can't make all these lessons myself. So that's what I was wondering. It's like, so you must be starting off with something, but then it sounds like the first cohort and, and I'll let you share a little bit more about that in a minute too, like what that ideal teacher looks like and what they would do in order to apply. But are you going to then lean upon the cohort to then develop some of the plans as you're going on as well? Yes. So that's the purpose of July is to bring them in, get in, get them into groups, see awesome things, but then come back and work for three, two, two or three hours and just nerd out and come up with something amazing based on the experience and then figure out how can they make this an experience for that specific grade range or grade level. Um, and then they would go beta test it. We would be able to provide some, some funding for them to buy materials and things like that so they can beta test, give feedback. And then we keep fine tuning those lessons. So then we can push them out to the world and start getting them into classrooms all over this planet and getting kids excited and teachers excited all over this planet. So that's kind of the vision. It's going to be slower, but it, I think what we're going to create is going to be completely innovative, something no one's ever seen before or experienced before. Well, share then how someone might apply. I know you said that it's coming soon as far as applications, but this is a good time to plug the websites, plug the video the, where you were talking about, um, you said, does it go faster? Um, where could somebody go to find out about how to apply and what are the requirements? What is it that they'll be doing? So the Limitless uh, uh, website is at limitless.org, right, Sunny? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a limitless space. Oh, limitless space. Yeah. There are three S's, so it's going to look a little weird. And then the video is, you can just Google go incredibly fast. Okay. And I think the first link that comes up should be the YouTube link, right? Uh, I think that's uh, yeah. the very first thing that should come, should come up. So. Yeah. So when they go to the website, what should they expect as far as an application process? Is it just kind of, do they have to kind of share a bio or they? Yeah, so the website's awesome. So you can really explore um, really some of the cool uh, grants because LSI does give out funding for, um, well, Sunny, do you want to talk about the other grants that you guys give yeah. and then I'll circle back? Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, 90 seconds. Uh, so we've got, uh, we're in the process of trying to, uh, you know, build up this K through 12 program. And we, we, uh, we currently have a um, uh, LSI grants program that's a biennial every two years. Uh, and it covers uh, undergraduate, graduate, uh, all the way through to postdoc. And we fund uh, universities all over the planet uh, that do research that traces to some of these advanced power and propulsion concepts that would be, you know, potential candidates to help us achieve the overarching mission of getting human beings, you know, beyond Mars to the outer solar system and maybe one day on to the stars. And so we, uh, um, you know, we 
we chronicle all of that work on our YouTube channel, um, our kickoff briefs, midterm and final briefs of all the performers from uh, professors from, from all over the world. Uh, they, they talk about everything that they're doing and, and record all that stuff. Uh, we just uh, sent out a press release uh, Friday of last week announcing the next nine winners. We have another nine teams uh, that'll be doing some interesting work and uh, we'll, we'll upload all that stuff onto YouTube as we, as we follow their uh, progress as they continue to move forward. So students are involved there as well. So this is one of those things LSI is definitely trying to make sure we cover uh, the, full, the full waterfront of, of students uh, and, and, and try to make sure we can also, you know, sponsor real gritty research that's not being sponsored otherwise, right? We, we, have, to, we have to sponsor the very research that we want to see get done, else it might not be done otherwise. Anyway, back, back to you, Casey. Thank you. <laughs> and that's what's so exciting. I mean, their press release, I mean, just hearing some of what got funding is just incredible to read about and think about. So, and that's where it comes in. That's the whole inspire, educate, and research. It it does. It covers the whole waterfront, and it's exciting to be a part of. So, if teachers or educators are interested in this, could be formal or informal educators. They just go to the um, education outreach uh, button on there, and it'll take you down to our um, education webpage, and that's where the application is. And that's where we're looking for the educator, limitless educator program. You know, it's an application, um, but sending us some slides about some cool, innovative things you've done in the classroom, and then a, a short video, a Flipgrid video of why you want to be a part of this program. So we really want to see, you know, your writing skills, what you've done in the past, and also we want to we want to see the person the personality, and, right? right? Yeah, yeah. You uh, with your, your your grant program, you sound a little bit like a, a NIAC or an ARPA E or a DARPA where it's, it's sort of blue sky, it's over the horizon and it's not something that's like immediately you have to find a commercial market for it. You're Correct. really doing Correct. over the horizon yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, this, this definitely would, would be categorized using govern, government, government parlance, uh, basic research 6.1, that's like the Department of Defense categorization, if you will. Uh, it's just something that has, it's high risk. There's not immediate payoff. There may or may not ever be intellectual property, and it is very much uh, in the same zip code as a NIAC, uh, except, you know, we are hyper-focused on a specific narrow application. Yeah. You know, NIAC <laughs> tends to be a little bit broader, number one. Number two, NIAC actually does not allow research on things where it's below TRL1. So oh. in, in our case, we do sponsor uh, folks that do research on fundamental physics, such as traversable wormholes, for example. And uh, NIAC uh, would be have a little bit more issues trying to be able to fund that because of the way the governance is written. Uh, and so, you know, we're very connected with the folks at NASA and the, the NIAC folks. You know, I've done a lot of work for them over the years, reviews and so forth. So uh, very connected with all of them. And they're very right. aware of what we're doing as well. So, Well, listen, uh, I could ask you a thousand questions, but I know I'd end up with Kerbal and Star Trek as part of them, uh, <laughs> which are two of the greatest learning tools that I know to get kids started down this path, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to say for my closing comments, you guys, I really enjoyed this. And I feel like there's an opportunity that we could have you back, you know, down the road and talk about even more 
of the actual work that you're doing and and get and learn about how your first cohort yeah, turned how the cohort out. Goes. Are they, I, I'm sure that Kevin's already invited you, but like, it seems like a really good place to, to talk about your program with teachers would be at the Small Side Educators Conference coming up in October. Um, so, I mean, if you are, wanna are come you to Florida. Aware, are you aware of that conference? I did see it. I think I saw it on your slides. And so I investigated a little so bit. That, feel that's free our, to come join us in um, Florida. <laughs> that is our first attempt to organize a conference and we have uh, a number of universities coming and the Naval Academy and a, a company as far as Scotland is coming. And it's, it's a chance for students and teachers to come for free because we want to build. And, and you know, you, I know you guys are hyper-focused on really fast uh, interplanetary travel, but what I see you doing is what I call human capital development. You're really building uh, the next generation STEM workforce. That's what I really see uh, as an educator, you know, the space enthusiast of me is thrilled with what you're doing, but the teacher part of me says, oh, you're building the next generation workforce. Um, and, and just in, in our, our final question is always the same, like, you know, I know that we kind of alluded to it, but when you think about, you have some teachers who might be listening today, right? Or even parents of kids who are thinking about, wow, how do I get real space education? What advice do you have for our listeners who might be on the edge of that going, this sounds like a great idea, but I'm really not sure. Oh, wow. So many things I could share, but uh, I, my advice to any kids uh, that have an interest in this is to keep pushing, keep exploring, to keep, even if they're not super strong in a specific area as well. Um, like I said earlier, mine was my weak area and still is today math. And for something that seem can be seem intimidating, um, it's just to keep pushing forward. And I think what kids really need to see in this day, day and age is how the math is applied in a real world setting. Um, you know, you can get the kill and drill and the worksheets and the textbooks, and it's just the same repetitive, but if you apply it to something real, and that's what my experience at Space Center Houston, I got to work with a lot of scientists and engineers, you know, over at NASA to help build curriculum there. And once I saw how math was applied in a real setting where everyone's working together for this one mission, you're a part of something bigger than yourself, then it makes it... Um, easy to, to digest, I guess, and applicable, and it makes it, dare I say, fun. <laughs> so well, you're right, <laughs> of course. Yes. And then they build confidence, and then it's like they can just fly. They can do whatever they put their mind to. So I would say, even if things get hard, push yourself and find where you can apply this in the real world, and that's where you're going to find the fun. Sunny, how about you? What are your thoughts to any educators who might be listening, thinking about your program, but they're feeling a little reluctant, or just those who want to be engineers? But yeah, so maybe, maybe I'll speak to, to the to the you know the, the bigger audience about uh, are you thinking about some kind of a, a career in this domain? Because uh, you know I do get a lot of questions from young folks about uh, what should I do, how should I do it, you know, just the, the general questions. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing is you have to follow your passion. Right, uh, find something in this domain that uh, you really connect with, that really seems to resonate with you. Uh, and it's this is a space exploration is a very much a multidisciplinary type of thing, right? And there's lots of things that uh, folks can work on. But you, if you connect with your passion uh, and you work hard, you know, Casey was talking about you have to work hard, right? As long as you connect with your passion, 
and you work hard, when you struggle with things, having that passion will help you overcome those hard times, right? And I think the other thing that it, it's important to remember when you challenge yourself to greatness, if you will, when you're really pushing yourself hard, you might occasionally fall short and, and fail. Um, but don't don't come away from that thinking, oh, no, failure defines me. No, it couldn't be further from the truth. It, it's not failing that's the issue. It, it's what's important is how you deal with failure. That's what's important, right? Because if you're if you're pushing yourself really hard, you're going to stumble from time to time. Because this is some of the stuff that's just really, really hard. I mean, you know, I'm talking about mathematics, right? It, there's some things in there that are really challenging. And they kick you right in the kneecaps a number of times, but uh, you just got to pick yourself up and dust yourself off. And I think I think that's why I opened up with you know find your passion, uh, right? Yeah. You know, make sure you connect with your passion. That'll help you weather it. But don't be surprised that it's hard, that it's difficult. That you have to right. Don't, ex don't expect to not fail. We uh, we we sort of bake in uh, the expectation that you're going to have setbacks and failures because uh -huh. aerospace is hard. Uh -huh. And if half of the university CubeSats don't turn on, you know, we're going to do our very best. But yes, fantastic advice. Thank, thank you guys so much for your time. Uh, we're looking forward to having you back in the future. And let's hear about that first cohort. And uh, when you start selling tickets, uh, let us know because we're going to need a ride. <laughs> Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. You know, I, I um, always feel out of my league, right? When we're talking to a lot of these uh, the real space uh, folks, you know, cause I'm just a, uh, I, I pass sometimes with you, but in general, I learn a lot from talking to people like that. And I love how Casey opened up saying that she hated space because I could identify with that. Like, I just remember when we first started how much I felt so out of place, right? But you do come to find that passion within that area. And uh, so, so that part I can definitely resonate with. Yes, I, I particularly like the fact she uh, laughed at the idea of having her first flight suit, but uh, I imagine that's a very coveted thing in the corner. Oh, of yeah, I would imagine uh, so, right? What I like is that they are looking at developing the next generation STEM workforce beginning at a very early mm -hmm. age, uh, all the way through graduate students. And that, uh, that says a lot for their ambitions. And I really am just looking forward to speaking to Sunny and Casey again soon. It just is, you know, uh, it, there's hope, right? That all that we started all those years ago with that question about how do we, how do we change that and make this kind of replicated? It's others are doing that, right? And we're starting to see more and more. So I think that, you know, years down the road, it will be something that will have changed the face of STEM education. So as always, thanks so much for joining us. Please, again, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please give it a good review so that we can reach more listeners and of course share with anyone that you think might be interested and join us next week when we say, let's, let's go, go to space. space.